It's time for the Basser Hour. The Basser Hour is a look at issues that affect today's veteran. The Basser Hour is brought to you by www.hadit.com. If you need help with the VA, log on to hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Jay Basser. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Basser Hour on this frozen tundra day, January the 12th, 2016. Today is a Tuesday. Uh, with me today is my co-host, Mr. Gerald Cook. How you doing today, Gerald? Well, I'm doing just fine, John. Thank you. Yeah, it's good. How's the weather in Missouri? How's the weather oh, in Missouri? It's shining, sun shining, looking beautiful. I mean, good. if I was a, a golfer, I yeah. would go out there and, and do me some golfing. Mm. Uh, temperature about 50 degrees. Uh, you know, you wouldn't want to work up a sweat, get all stinky golfing or goofing. I don't know which it is, but uh, it's a good day to be out of the house anyway. Well, here, if you was a golfer, you'd step out of the house, your air would freeze up, and you'd become a gopher. <laughs> yeah, a, a gopher. <laughs> yeah. Bad, cold, windy day. But today we're going to go into part two of our series. We're doing a back to basics on the claim situation. And uh, we've uh, discussed uh, last week a little bit of refresher. We discussed uh, if you need to file a claim or not, uh, your condition and filing the claim and what to do as you, you know, selecting your representation and, you know, things of that nature. I think we covered it pretty detailed. And uh, now, you know, we're just going into kind of, once you file your claim, you know, we're going in from that point on forward. So, you know, you've already filed your claim now, and you sit back and you got your feet up, and you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And most people do file a claim, they just sit back and wait. You know, they don't really, you know, they really don't understand what's going on. But a person that's really interested in this stuff will file your claim. There's no reason to wait. You want to start digging. And uh, once you realize, you know, there are avenues out there that you can get an education and learn this stuff, you know, you can start uh, digging in the computer and start looking up and looking up the regs and start reading and start kind of learning and kind of see, you know, try to figure what type of, you know, what type of rating you might be going to get, you know, because it's out there all over the Internet, and you can find it. You and know, you're... Is... Go ahead, Joe. Uh, you're right about that, John, and, and each ailment, uh, the BA has a numbered code for them, and you need to look up and see what the numbered po- uh, code is for your ailment. Then you can research that, and uh, that'll help you a long ways in understanding your claim and what the BA is expecting from you, and uh, not that you can ever make them happy, but at least you'll know uh, what the BA is thinking because they're looking at numbers. And uh, uh, so you need to know all the numbers associated to your, your ailment. Let me give you a little quick tip, folks. Everything's listed on the part four. And instead of you doing a search under each condition, um, at the bottom, if you scroll all the way down from the part four, so the schedule for rate and disabilities list, if you, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, there is an alphabetized list, and it tells you the condition, and right beside it is the number. You write that number down. Do you know that, Gerald? Yes. Yeah, it makes it a lot quicker, a lot easier. And it's just to keep scrolling down until you find the alphabetized list and look up your condition. Of course, now, a lot of conditions are not on there. A lot of conditions are listed because they resemble other conditions, you know, like, uh, say, for example, uh, you have certain types of headaches. Well, most headaches are rated under migraine criteria. Do you know that, Gerald? I didn't know that. Yeah. But uh, I know, you know, different severities of headaches, uh, and uh, there can be different causes for headaches. So uh, 
But John's right. Uh, find the number uh, instead of saying I have migraine headaches. There's a number, a code number that they have that the doctors use. And uh, I think all your raiders use the same numbers, don't they, John? 8,200. If you got migraine headaches, yeah. uh, I've got a bad yeah. case of 8,200. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, uh, they like them numbers. That's how they think because uh, it makes it so much easier on them. When they're looking at your claim, because then they just go to the book, oh, yeah, this guy's got migraine headaches, and so he says. And they like the numbers. Got proved up. Yeah. They like the um, numbers. What's the first thing they ask when you walk in the VA? What's your numbers? <laughs> what's your last your four? Name? <laughs> yeah, what's your last four? And they don't look at you as a human being, especially the regional office, you're a number. Yeah, we're all numbers yeah. to the VA. I mean, how could how can they make some of these audacious decisions and make, you know, some of these people? It's totally, totally, you know, just an amazingly wrong decision. You know, when somebody sees that decision. I wonder how many veterans have got them decisions committed suicide because they got them decisions. Uh, I don't Absurd. know that I, I, I would say the number would bunch. really surprise you. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I first filed my claim, of course, I was going on the advice of a service officer, and he's the one who filled out my claim. We didn't use any numbers or nothing, and he, did, he didn't bother to look nothing up. And, of course, I had no clue. And so just that little bit of information could be helpful on your claim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, and and they they got a pretty extensive uh, list of numbers that are associated with your ailments, and uh, unless it's a secondary ailment, but I think you have to get the primary taken care of before you can worry about the secondary. So uh, that'll help you a long ways. Uh, should I claim this or not? If it's not in the list. Uh, perhaps you should uh, uh, look at a different diagnosis or something. I don't know. Gerald hit it on the head, guys. If you have conditions that are secondary to a condition, those conditions do not exist until you have a primary condition to service neck those secondaries too. Um, the biggest conditions that you can have that have secondaries, if you've got lung disease, or heart disease, or diabetes, they've got some secondaries that can fall into play with that too. Uh, Spinal injuries and things like that, you've got secondary conditions like radiculopathy, uh, nerves and things like that that can, you know, be added to secondary. So, you know, it depends on which condition you have. So, And some of these secondary conditions can go up to 100% by themselves. You know that, Gerald? Yeah, true. Yeah, that's true because you've got a lung disease. If you've got a lung disease and pulmonary hypertension, that's 100%, regardless of what the other regs say. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you, you got your claim filed, and you've been in for a year, you know, and you're kind of sitting back at the house, and, you know, and most people that's got their claim in, you know, they're getting kind of anxious, and so that 4 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever time the mail runs, they're sitting there on the front porch, and they're posting watch over the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> the mailbox is the most important thing in the world. It was to me. You know, especially folks with PTSD, yeah. man, they're just, you know, uh, they're guarding that mailbox like it's, you know, like like it's Fort Knox. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Like mailman, pulls, mailman pulls up, you see a big envelope going there, and you run out and get it. You open it up, and the first thing you see is the big word denied. <laughs> Which don't feel bad about the word denied, because that's the VA's favorite word. Isn't it, Gerald? Yeah, uh, your objective is to get the denied changed to approved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, that takes a lot of work. And and uh, just because you see a denied don't mean you, you know, uh, we all seem to go through it. 
uh, I know very few veterans uh, that ever got it uh, approved on the first go-around. I know they are some. But uh, uh, most likely, uh, you're going to get it denied. And they're going to need all this extra stuff that you had never even dreamed of that you need to yep. dig up give them. Now, so, prior, to two, prior to 2012, I'll give that date maybe a little bit earlier, you could sit, you could take that denial and you could sit at the kitchen table and look at it. You used to take a uh, uh, 214138 form and write out, uh, I disagree with your decision. That's called a notice of disagreement. You write it out by hand, and you can uh, say this and that and why you disagree with it. You know, you point out the reasons why you disagree with it, send it to them. They would take that as a uh, a uh, they would take that as fodder to start the appeal process. Well, they decided they were getting too many notice of disagreements that were written on uh, improper paperhead and napkins and things like that. So they said, let's make it harder for the veterans. So the VA put this note on the Federal Register some years ago that we have to use their form now, Gerald, a notice of disagreement form. Do you know that? Yes, I know that. And, I, put that uh, I put that in the chat room on the notes. You know, remember that form name, form number? Oh, is that the the uh, first one? DBA uh, 21-0958 ARE. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So be sure to use that number, folks. Uh, yeah. Type it up in your search engine. You ought to be able to pull it up, and and I think you can fill them out online, can't you, John? Yeah, they're fillable. Matter of fact, there's a link to this should be in the show if you can open it up. We'll try to put it with it so you can open it up. I'm sure it's on Had It somewhere. You can pull it off or you can just do a search. You can print the fillable one off. Go ahead and print it, fill it out online and print it off because I don't think it saves it. And you can save it as a PDF document, you know. Now, notice a disagreement form. You have to show them what you disagree with on the decision. You know, you can say, I disagree because of so-and-so. Um, you know, be... Be very, very uh, straight and forward. You know, if uh, you disagree with the rating itself, they denied you. You know, you can disagree why they denied you. If uh, if it's something uh, like most of the stuff's kind of astonishing, you know, these are the the old denial is, well, your condition did not occur in service, even though you got records showing it happened in service. You still got to get a doctor to say that your condition now is basically associated to what you had in service. That's what they're looking for. It's called the nexus, right, Gerald? That's correct. And you can go to an outside doctor to get your nexus uh, with the exception of a PTSD claim now, I believe. Right. Unless he's right. your uh, treating. treating physician or, or a psychiatrist outside of the VA. They will accept them, evidently. But to just go to a regular doctor, uh, uh, like a foot doctor, he's not going to be able to write you uh, or fill out your DBQ forms uh, for PTSD. Yep. Yep. That's true. Now, the VA used to have a certain C&P examiner list on site for C&P examiners to look at in order to go down and give you an exam for your condition. Veterans got smart and were printing them off and take them to outside doctors to have the outside doctors fill them out. Trying to get some of the VA language into the report so it would be easier for the raiders to go ahead and make a determination and a decision. Well, I guess the VA kind of wised up to that, so they said, well, let's do something different. Let's make out, Let's make forms for all this stuff. So they did. They brought on this big, big, big old thick stack of paperwork called the Disability Benefit Questionnaire, the DBQ form. The DBQ form is a very long form covering certain conditions. And you have to fill the whole thing out. There are certain things that pertain to you. A lot of these doctors see this big old long form and look at it and they scratch their head. I ain't got time to fill this out. You know, and you look through that form and you write everything down about you, you know, you got this condition, that condition. Then you look on the form and say, wait a minute. There's nowhere on this form, nowhere, 
that ask an opinion as to you think this is service-related or not. You know that, Gerald? <laughs> yeah, and then that forces you to ask the doctor to uh, write a attachment to the form. And, uh, you know, it just makes it double hard on the poor veteran. So, mm-hmm. uh, That's kind of like going fishing without a hook. Well, uh, actually it is. Uh, you know, uh, try to lasso that pig, see how many you catch. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, Again, I posted a link to those forums, too, and uh, those situations like that. But say you got your denial and you fill out your uh, notice of disagreement form, and uh, you send it in, you know, and you realize, okay, now I've got my representation here, one of the organizations that they assigned to me that I chose, you know, and uh, they've got an office, it's a regional office, you know. They should be able to inform you as to what's going on with your claim ahead of time because they're just down the hall from the people that make the decision anyway. So now it's time for you to make a major decision because a lot of these things are going to, how you react to this next step is going to affect how your claim is going to be done because they're going to send you a statement of case. And this statement of case is going to offer you, it's going to tell you why they denied your claim in detail. It kind of is going to tell you what you need to succeed in the eyes of the VA. Of course, it's what they think you need to succeed in the eyes of the VA. Now's the time to buckle down. And what I mean by buckling down is now is when you decide, you know, do you want to uh, get a decision officer review to have them re- Evaluate the case, or do you want to go straight for the appeal? You can do both, but doing both just takes a lot of time. You know what, Joe? Yes, it does. Okay. And uh, I use it's something you have to get used to. All this takes time and a lot of time. Uh, actually, I feel as it. It's really put the the burden of everything on the veteran, the stress and all of it, uh, mm-hmm. because a lot of veterans just don't have the time or feel they don't have the time. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, no matter what they do, uh, they feel as though they're stuck in a, a quagmire, and at times I... I'd have to agree with them. Uh, uh, it should not take three or four years to do a claim, let alone 10 or 15. Yep. What I would do in the situation, first I would, I would uh, sit back, take a few, a few couple of days, and I'd write me a, a pro list and a con list out of what to do. And it depends on how the decision's written, because uh, if you look at the decision now, if it's uh, an astonishingly stupid denial that's based on nothing but bull, then I wouldn't go to DRO. Um, I would contact the representative. I would probably uh, get rid of the representation that I have, because the bull shouldn't have went past them. They should have stopped it there and fixed it. I'd get another representation representative. Uh, probably either an attorney or a good claims agent. And I'd go straight to the BVA. I'd also, in the process, get me a good crackpot IMO. And I would use a very, very recognized person for that IMO. And that's how I would do it. Um, it might cost some money to do it, but, you know, it would be an investment instead of having to wait more time on, you know, passing the football back and forth to the RO than doing that and then going that route. Because, you know, the BVA is going to remand it back and they can fix it anyways. Or they can make it and they can overturn it. But in order to do that, they'll send you the SSOC and you just fill out the form 9 send it in and they'll give you, they'll ask you what you want. You know, there's certain different levels of BVA hearings 
it's all the same type of hearing, but you can have a traveling board hearing, or you can go to D.C., or you can have a video conference. The fastest hearing is if you're able to go to D.C. Uh, you can also do a video conference, but if you've got a representative in D.C., they can go be with the judge where you're sitting in the regional office in a video conference. So <clears throat> that's you know that's an avenue that you can do. A traveling board is just they just got a group that travels from regional office to regional office, you know, and they do stuff. So, but uh, it's up to you what needs to be done. But uh, it's all done by design, anyways. Eventually, you're going to win your claim. It just you know depends on how how you react to how long it takes it to get decided. Yeah, it. Uh it's always making the right decisions at the right time, and and uh, most of the time veterans just don't know unless you know someone that can uh, kind of help guide you uh, along, or you have an attorney or a really good uh, BSO or a. Uh, a claims uh, certified agent, uh, someone that's certified to uh, work on claims, uh, that really knows the ropes. Uh, it's hard to uh, come to a determination. What should you really do? And it's hard. And uh, if your claim's sitting there in limbo for so many years. You know you have to get something done. Yeah, if you've got a good representative, you know, and uh, I want to come straight out and tell you, if you take someone like John Dorley or someone like that on your claim, John will advise you which way he thinks would be the best for you to go. And uh, John knows pretty well what he's doing. So, I mean, you know, he versus any other rep, you know, he would advise you, and he's, you know, he's got more hands-on knowledge, and he can help your claim walk you through stuff more, more than, say, a DSO would. Yeah. You know, because he don't have 500 claims working at the same time. You know, he's not a swamp, so and he's got a little more, you know, incentive to win your case anyway. So, but, uh, you know, that's how, you know, let, let, let your, you know, let him advise you, you know, because somebody that knows what they're doing is always, you know, beneficial to the veteran. Always beneficial to the veteran because, you know, if the veteran knows what he's doing, he goes in this process. It's like being on the receiving end of a 50 cal. You're going to be everywhere. Yeah. You know, I'm serious. It's just, it's a mess. And it's a system designed to fail. Well, there's a whole lot here to try to comprehend and think your way through before you make any rash decisions. Uh, take it up with somebody who's been down the road uh, and see what their suggestions are. And and chances are they're going to advise you to either get a new POA or uh, uh, if you don't have a POA, then they're going to suggest you get a good one and maybe even refer you to one. Uh, yeah. POAs, folks, and POAs, your son, you know, you, you give them the right to make decisions on your claims, so be careful who you choose to make that decision. Absolutely, be careful. Yeah. That's uh, what it is, power of attorney. And, uh, so, always remember one thing, you can revoke a POA, Yep. Uh, in doing so, you have to send the POA a, uh, a letter, uh, usually a registered letter, showing mm-hmm. that you have revoked their POA. And uh, you have either. to send uh, <laughs> the BA a registered letter that you have revoked so-and-so's POA. Yeah. Uh, now... Okay, now as you say you got your you got your representation. You got some good agent out there, or, and say you got your stuff settled and all your stuff. You got your IMO and all your stuff going in. They send you back and forth for a couple more CMP exams, you know, to the nurse practitioners or whoever they use, and 
you know, you make sure you get copies of all that stuff, and you're looking at them. You go and sit, you go see the BDA judge. All right, you sit there, and your rep goes, and he makes a decision. He can make several decisions. He can remand it back to the regional office, and regional office, he can remand it with, you know, instructions to see, you know, to go with his opinion, you know. He can overturn their decision and make them rate it. He can overturn it right there at the BVA and have them rate it there. He can remand it to the AMC, or he can deny it. He can concur with the regional office. If he does that, you can go to the court, the Court of Veterans' Appeals, CABC. That next step requires an attorney, and it requires a little more due diligence. But, you know, once your claim gets to the BVA level, it's kind of, they kind of put it together a little better, and, you know, they, 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 it's really, really better organized. A lot more legal precedent sets at the BVA in the courts than it does at the regional office. And you got a lot more attorneys looking at it. So the judge actually has a better grasp on the Title 38 CFR, and he understands, you know, more to play how the top Part 4 comes into play. The interpretation factor at the regional office is enormous. This guy might have pulmonary hypertension, but every once in a while his level dips below the level for about 15 seconds a day, so he doesn't have pulmonary hypertension. Or perhaps this guy might have had a car wreck and broke his neck in so-and-so year, but we can't really, we're not really sure because we can't find the police report or, you know, things like that. So they kind of split hairs. So you see the difference, Drew? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And the VA is not too good about finding things. <laughs> well, so, not really. It's, it's, I think that's a willingness to find. Uh, I believe that is. Uh, yeah. That, that seems to be one of their ailments there at the VA. They mm -hmm. uh, just don't have the willingness to find something. Mm hmm. That's kind of like I'm sending letters out to people saying their records burn up in St. Louis fire when you when you went to service in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've done that to me, too. I don't know how many people I've talked to that they've done that to. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a change. Yeah. Your records burn up yeah. in the fire. <laughs> yeah. We're looking for your records. Everywhere. Burn up in the fire, nineteen seventy-four. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Yeah. Nineteen seventy-four. I was ten years old. Okay. Well, I must have been a young serving dude back in. <laughs> no, but uh, some of this astonishing stuff. And uh, you look at some of the C and P exam stuff too. They send you to. These guys write out the request for the CMPs, and they put these questions on there. You wouldn't believe. They try to get this idea in their head, and they try to lead the examiner to their idea to deny, to deny your claim. It's supposed to be non-adversarial. It's supposed to be non-adversarial. <laughs> well, it's anything but. I'll tell you that. It's mm -hmm. uh, Uh, you have to be careful, especially when you do your CMP examination. Yeah. And remember one thing. Uh, when you do go to your CMP examination, please remember this. You are under observation from the moment you pull into that parking lot. And uh, even till the time you leave the parking lot. So, uh, don't go waddling in there with a cane or a walker, and then when you walk out, it's slung over your shoulder, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's any time you go to VA. Huh? That's any time you go to VA, no matter if you go for examination or not, because you're, you're under the camera every time you go in there. You're always under observation. Yep. And, uh... Point. So, I, uh... I want you to be careful when you do that. Uh, 
Yeah. Go in there moping around like you're half dead and then uh, skip out the door, you know. You know. Best thing to do is go get your stuff done and get out. If you're sick, uh, don't try to make things look sure. worse than they are. <clears throat> well, you're not going to be walking no VA, Joe. Well, I'm not. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, them days are over for me. Yep. So, I need to walk in no VAs right around. So, yeah, you're under observation every time you go in there. Every time you go through a checkup, you know, every time you, everything you tell the nurse gets put in progress reports. Yeah. Yep. Yes, it is. It's true. So. And, uh, yeah. Uh, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. So it's not, uh, not a bad thing. Not a good thing either, but not a bad thing. So, but, uh. You got your notice of disagreement, and you got your BVA hearing, and you go and, you know, the judge makes a decision. He remands it back to the regional office, and you're still waiting. It's been two years since you got your remand, and it was a pretty simple remand, because once a judge issues a remand, you're supposed to get head of the line privileges. You know, there's a directive in there saying you're supposed to be taken to the front of the line, but they, they really pay attention to that. That toilet paper really gives them an exciting time in the restroom, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they really don't care, you know. You know, you can talk to your attorney and representative. They can call the, the attorney rep at the VA, and they'll keep putting you off and putting you off. But sometimes they don't like each other's decisions, and they still don't. They still don't want to rate them. And uh, so sometimes you have to put a little pressure on them. You can call your congressman, and you know, just keep the pressure on. I guess you can file a written mandamus. I know a fella done that and busted him the other day. Seemed to have a pretty good handle on it. Got him lined out. Yes, he did. I was glad. To, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's something. Uh, you do have other options here if you can't get no satisfaction any other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I say, um, go to Haddit. Go to the Haddit website, Haddit.com, and uh, read through there. Find some ailments. Uh, in your category and and see and and uh, uh, my lands I don't think there's a question you could ask that hadn't already been asked or had it and had some answers to uh, somebody usually has the answers to about anything you want to ask so uh, go there and utilize that site uh that's what it's there for. And if you're not a member, uh, go ahead and join up. It don't cost nothing to join there. Uh, they do operate off donations, and they're not tax exempt, but uh, uh, it is a donation and just enough to keep the side running. And that's about all they get, so... Uh, they tried to get enough to keep the cider running. Uh, poor old Teresa, she spent a lot of her own money uh, trying to keep the thing afloat. So she would welcome your your uh, donation. Mm, she would. Just back up on the side. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, the out. donate button. Yeah, I think that was down for a while. Yep. Well, process navigation is the biggest issue, too. You know, because you really, you know, if you have to, you got to have somebody to help you out, hold your hands in the process, because this isn't, no one should have to go through this whole thing alone. You know, and uh, once you navigate it, once you get your decision and things lined out, you know, you know, you know better. But uh, it's a uh, hard process for to go through. Yeah. 
people that you don't have to go through them alone. You know, you got to have reps to help you, family members to help you. If somebody's been through it before that can help you, that's good. Um, somebody that knows the process, you know, can help you a whole lot. Um, friends, it's been really good to help. Yeah. Help out the process. So, but, uh, now, waiting for your decisions and getting your decisions, you know, that can be a little bit uh, stressful. But you can actually bypass that stress. You can turn that in stress into uh, a little bit of empowerment where you can research your stuff. Uh, I've seen people actually do research and find out they've got a lot more issues than they thought they had. You know, and that can make a difference between being 15 to 100% on some issues. So, you know, it's there. You know, if it's available, and you know, you, your goal is not to be 100% if you're not 100%, you know, rateable. But your goal is to be compensated for what you know you've lost because of you know you're injured in the military. Because you know, if, if you if you're handicapped in any way, you know, there's certain things you can't do in life, and either that's working or whatever you know, and it it costs you, and that's the reason the VA's there. And, you know, it's a legitimate thing that people deserve that. You pay for that because, you know, you what what'd you, what'd you go through to get that? Yeah, you know, that's you know. true. You're either shot or, you you know, you had an accident in service. The military is a dangerous place. I, I, I can't um, emphasize that enough. You know, if you're in combat, that's a, you know, that's dangerous self. You know, somebody's trying to kill you. You know, the best thing you do is try to stay alive. You know, and you got to do what you got to do to stay alive. You know, and Vietnam guys had it rough. You know, because Charlie was in the trees instead of sniper shooting at them. You know, Ted Offensive, it's pretty, pretty bad. If you, uh, i tell you another dangerous place, a deck on aircraft carrier. Yeah. I mean, them jet engines, man, them things are bad. And they blow a man over the side and not even think about it. Or All suck them up too, too there. Yeah, they... Engine. That's a meat grinder from you know where there now. That uh, happens. Yeah. It, it happens. happens. In World War Two, it lost a lot of people with a lot of amputations because them blades on them props would chop off arms. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's a dangerous place. You know, and even no any, any the, the uh, jet fuel and mm-hmm. uh, exposure to it, and mm-hmm. every other kind of agent to have. I tell you something else: ships are dangerous in themselves. Don't be an aircraft carrier. That's a dangerous thing. These. Big tenders and repair ships are dangerous. Their machine shops are dangerous too. Oh yeah. They've got some press and stuff, you know. Big, they're very dangerous. Even tied up alongside the pier, a line can snap. You ever seen a line snap on the pier? Yeah. (laughs) I bet it's a deadly piece of thing. Now, thing snaps, look out. 100,000 tons of pressure. Yep, snap. That thing comes at you. You better learn how to skip rope in a hurry. Yeah. I'm serious. You know, two inch line. Uh uh-uh, uh, look out. Two and a half inch line. It could. It could. Could. I seen a guy uh, on the ship once. He was uh, helping carrying a O2 bottle up the ladder. I don't know what they were doing. Yeah. This for. Uh, and they were carrying up the ladder, and the dude up front or something might drop something, and it hit right on top of the valve, and the valve, and this thing just decided it was going to be a missile. Oh, they're dangerous. You ever seen a missile on board? Yes, sir. It went up, boom. <laughs> Away it went. I thought we'd done a missile launch, boy. Yeah, they were under about 2,200 or 2,500 mm-hmm. PSI. That thing launched, buddy, like a missile. Yeah, it did. Launch. It did. Just fortunately, the ladder going up was a was a weather deck. 
did. It went through there, like, psh, right on through, right on up, right on up in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've seen, I've seen all kinds of stuff happen. No. <clears throat> you know, you work anytime you work on a submarine, you got to be safer because it's a subsafe program. Very, very. Um, that's another thing, folks. Exposure issues. I want to bring that up too. Tell me, you got a claim for an exposure issue? It seems to me like the Department of Veterans Affairs is going to make it harder on you to get service connected. Uh, that is proven evidence by the Blue Water Navy. Uh, these four folks that served in the Project 112 Shad yeah. issue, Operation Trinity and Crossroads, those people that were exposed to radiation. After World War II, which most of them are probably dead now, anyway, they're the drill. Let's say. A lot of them are. Uh, Majority of them probably are. I don't know how many left. Yeah. Not many of left at all. Um, folks, our government exposed a lot of our veterans to radiation. To get into a little bit of issue, Crossroads was. The one I'm kind of worried about. Trinity was the first nuclear bomb blast, and it was done on land. That was the first test of the bomb for a fat boy or a little man, whatever the one that drops on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The first sea test was done somewhere off the Bikini Islands. It took a bunch of World War II ships, a bunch of captured Japanese ships. I don't know if they used a German ship or not, but they had uh, they sank. Uh, see, there's a carrier there too that we had. Uh, sister ships in Lexington. What was that? Saratoga, I believe, it was the Saratoga. And they set it off, and yeah, it didn't didn't, yeah. didn't have the effect that they wanted to do. So they had the crews off these ships on a boat, several miles away from the site. And after the nuke went off, guess what happened? They let the crews come back on them ships. Told the crews to go back to your ships. That's not culture. Yeah. Now, straight yeah. <clears throat> on the Saratoga. Different Saratoga. The Saratoga yeah. I'm talking about is in, uh, if he worked on this Saratoga, he had to wear dive gear every day at work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> was it Saratoga? Yeah, it was old Saratoga. It ship to Lexington. Anyhow, they came back on board. They lived for a couple of weeks until they decided, let's do something different. So they changed the angle of the blast, and they put it underneath the Pennsylvania, and they set it off, and it devastated the fleet. So they were happy with their test. And uh, so they kind of done that test to show the world, look what we have. This is our toy now, so look what we have, so don't mess with us, you know. I think it was kind of along the lines of a deterrent. So, you know, for many years, you know, we were safe, and we conducted more testing, you know, and we got biggest and baddest bomb ever was. So, But during that time, they wanted more experimentation. So in the 60s, they decided, well, we got to see what kind of chemical effects we could have on people and stuff. So they started doing testing. They started doing the testing on gas and nerve gas, mustard gas, on airborne spray on certain people. They took a bunch of poor folks out of uh, Alaska and put them out in the, the boonies out there in this project called Elk Hunt. And they started testing. Uh, how many folks was involved in Elk Hunt, Gerald? Uh, there was 18 of us. And then there yeah. was, uh, uh, what, seven? There was 25 total. There was seven come up from Douglas, Utah, or Port Douglas. And uh, uh, mainly officers and and a bunch of techs and stuff to uh, for the instruction. But there was eighteen of us uh, military personnel. Okay. So they tested them. Drill ran the laundry guys. They tested them. People were having a hard time. Now the ones that went from there to Vietnam had a, you know they got service next for Agent Orange exposure, but the ones that didn't go to Vietnam hardly they're not getting nothing even though it's been proven they were exposed. I don't see how that was, but uh, I guess there's some stuff that's not been released or whatever, but that's got to be changed. And a lot of Navy guys, too, were involved, too, with some ships and tugs and stuff, but uh, 
but that's another issue. You can look that up on, you know, that's good research. But exposure, you file a plan for exposure, they don't want to service connect you. However, agent order exposure, yes. Uh, Beverly Neymar busted that wide open a few years ago in court, and it seems to me like uh, they're they're bent over backwards now to approve an agent orange claims. But I've seen some stupid denials here lately on some agent orange issues, so I think they could be reverting back to their old ways. You know what I mean, Gerald? Uh, yeah, they're good at that, and they'll keep pushing till they get it back to where it was, and they won't yeah. honor any any of them. Mm. So it'll yeah. probably, more than likely, end up back in court. Yeah, if I say so. Yours needs to go to court anyway. Well, ours does, that's for sure. Yep. They that's had for sure. Once, but they wasn't really prepared. So. No. Yeah. No, it needs to be prepared. Bad. It's put together, set up. There's a lot of line so. on the other side. But so. say, if you got to if you got an exposure claim, then don't give up, okay? I mean, there's a lot of issues like that you can do. Uh, Blue Water Navy, there's supposed to be some changes coming on. They're supposed to change the uh, boundary lines and the distance as far as the uh, exposure and, uh, I guess, the inland waterways and the what's considered inland waterways and what's considered bays and harbors and things like that. So hopefully you guys that are on some of these ships will get service connected. If he's on an aircraft carrier, forget about it because it's not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, they're trying to range right now the distance, how many miles out, and uh, but uh, they're they're still in the works. They they haven't brought it up the boat yet again. Uh, it keeps getting tabled on them before they can yep. vote on it. And they got a lot of sponsors this time. Uh, they do. They have the, uh, more than enough sponsors. Mm-hmm. They just have to get it to vote mm-hmm. and uh, get it on the floor. Did you guys bring a note? Uh, Donald Trump said last night if he won the lottery, that $1.5 billion, did you hear what he said he would do with it? What's that? Give it to the vets. I would give it to the vets. Oh, he would. Bless his heart. That's right. He's a good guy. Yep. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I wish you well. I like that kind of thing. Dude, too, anytime you get approval for vets and, you know, get to help us out, I mean, I'd like to just get about a 50% increase across the board myself. Well, I'd like to see something across the board. <laughs> All right, see so you get a board going. <laughs> yeah. You know. <coughs> but uh kind of like chopping down a tree with a leatherman tool or a butter knife. <laughs> yeah, there you go, butter knife. <laughs> and a big tree at that. <laughs> no. But you get your denial letter and you go to the BVA and you go to the court or whatever it takes. You need to be vigilant in your claim. Hopefully you win your claim. You know, we discussed types of claims and things like that before, so, you know, it's always a <clears throat> benefit for the veteran to understand what's going on with this claim. Um, get educated on this stuff. You can look this stuff up on the computer and you can learn this stuff. A lot of folks actually started this process a long time ago and for their own benefit and their own claim. I know four or five people have done this now, and they're some of the best uh, claims agents in, in the country that do this stuff for a living now. They're 100%, but they're sitting back there helping veterans, and they're making, they're making some good money doing this. You know, yes. they're good at what they do. They're not affiliated with any organization either. They, you know, they, they they refrain from that, you know, because, uh, I mean, it's... They're certified. Uh, they took yeah. the test and become certified. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep. which I think is good. Yeah. Uh, I believe there's some that do charge a fee, and some, uh, there's some out there that, uh, just doesn't, uh, help veterans. So. Well, if you're doing this, and 
you got expenses involved. I get there. I can see reasons for charging certain fees. But as far as doing that, you don't want to do nothing until you have to go through the appeals process. Yeah. You know that's the issue, and I don't understand. I don't see. You know, um, you get what you pay for. That's true. You know, you know, you get what you pay for. Um, personally, I've seen service officers from these big people go to the DA, to the BVA and lose your claim. I've seen it happen uh, about 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. And lose big time because they weren't prepared. The same person goes back to the BVA 15 years later with the claims agent and wins the whole kit and caboodle with an apology. So, yeah, that seems weird that that would even happen, but it, it I did know happen. It does. I know it does happen, and and uh, it's it's uh, it's not right uh, because the BA should be the same plumb across the country, and shouldn't matter who you have representing you. Right is right, and wrong is wrong. That's right. But that's not the case. No, that's not the case. Not the case at all. That's not the case at all. That's what it is, you know. That's what it is. If I'd done it, I would find some veterans, older cases and things like that that's been screwed around for years. I'd pick them back up and get them going. Someone like you, buddy. I don't know, man. I must come get you and take you to Detroit. <laughs> uh, well, we'll have to see about that. <laughs> I'd have to bring the RV and take you to Detroit. Yeah. You couldn't travel another way. we have to run the generator all the way there. <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah, but you, we got satellites. You could do a radio show on the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could. It'd probably take me a week or two to get there. Nah, you turn about ten hours. Nah. Uh, but you know, I think we'll end this series on this show. I think we've gone far enough as far as you know what to do. I, mean, I thought we'd do it three or four shows, but I think we got pretty much detail and in depth on this. Yeah, and uh, also we might highlight a little bit on the appeals process. Yeah, we'll do that too. You can always uh, appeal, no matter what they seem to do to you. Uh, Appeal and try to dig out new evidence and everything else you can. Uh, Usually there's stuff lurking somewhere in the filing system. And uh, just... Figuring out what it is and what to ask for under the four-year act, you usually have to use it. I've used it numerous times, which uh, I must say. You see that? You see that picture going around in the email that uh, said about the uh, picture that the I guess it was in was it Zanesville, Wisconsin, or Newton, Georgia? That one picture that showed that file room with all the old boxes laying around, such a mess. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that was in Georgia, wasn't it? My goodness, I'd be in Wisconsin, but that, <laughs> that's pitiful. That's pitiful. My goodness. All the way in the hell, John. What is going on with that mess? What is, what going, is going on, on with, with the VA? I don't know. Uh, that should never be. And mm-hmm. who's in charge of that facility? They ought to be looking for another job. A job? I think they need to be put in a gated community. Well, uh, yeah, community service, and they're sorting all that stuff out for free. Well, gated so community. That, give them a choice either to do it for free, or you go into the, you can sit in Hooskow while it's been done. That's a joke. 
That's the worst job I've ever seen it, man. They push them places in and rush them together because they want to digitize everything. Well, they just throw it all in the box. Uh, they don't know what's been digitized. I know mine wasn't digitized. Yep. Mine wasn't either, but it is now. I digitize it myself. Well, you, if you want to digitize, you have to do it yourself. Yep. I've got mine. They will sure mix it all up and and digitize what they want, throw the rest away. I've got mine several places now. I've got a couple of these hard drives now, and I got things on them, and got them put in safe places. That's uh, the best thing you can do right there is right. get get your claim digitized, and and your newer vets uh, just. Uh, when you start following your claim number and do it religiously, keep mm-hmm. things on file because these new events sure can take your iPhones. You can take your yeah. iPhones and do your paperwork. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how they do it, but they do it. They do it. I, of course, I don't have one of them iPhones or smartphones. Mm-hmm. Mother uh, smart aleck phone. It talks back to me. Oh, yours is smart aleck. I had a but, I had uh, a Windows I had a Windows phone. It kept aggravating me so much I threw it out the window going down the road. <laughs> <laughs> threw it out the window. <laughs> Windows phone. Yeah. Well, that uh, that's one way of dealing with them. And uh, you got a computer, of course, you have to be better at it than I am. You can do it on the computer. But uh, you younger people should be able to do this. But just remember, date, put your date, name, last four on every page. Because I went back trying to put mine together and the dates ain't there. Uh, that's extremely important. It is important, very important. Uh, and uh, what the BA sent me, a lot of the dates are missing on that stuff. That's true, missing dates. And uh, so it's hard to reconstruct your claim, mm-hmm. if need be. I was doing some experiment the other night, too, with some stuff on my claim. I think it's backwards out from the printer. Yeah. And I took open up a Word document and took the top right corner and put the date and my claim file number on the top right. Yeah. And I figured the number of copies in the printer. And then uh, I looked up and then uh, I set it up, turned the paper up, and then hit print. And I put the number of copies in there and it put the corner, it put the date and the file number on every page, perfect location. Good deal. You can do that's, hundreds that's of that. That's the easy way. way of doing it. That way you don't have to yeah. buy a bunch of stamps or nothing. No. And it's probably know. not hard to change the date. So uh, yeah. the dates are, are are very important. If you've got a whole stack of paperwork there and the, the dates are messing, uh, it's hard to remember what goes with what. Mm-hmm. That's true. And if you look at your paperwork and your files and stuff like that, and you look at it and you see you got, you know, if you got enough files laying around your house where you can put them together and have a, and make a couch out of them, you know you got a problem. <laughs> oh, well, you know, too many problem. papers. You know, I, well, I've got uh, 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 24 and 48 uh can safe full of them. <laughs> oh, but, uh, yeah, well, but, you uh, get them up quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's unreal. Yeah, so. Okay, John, I think we're about out of time on this segment. We are. I do appreciate you coming on today, Gerald. Folks, well, I appreciate you listening to this. Appreciate y'all listening to the episode of the Bachelor Hour. We'll uh, 
be on this week with the with the uh, with the regular hatted SCR show. Uh, we don't have our guest lined out yet, but well, as soon as we get our situation with our guest, we'll uh, we'll schedule the show and uh, let you know who's coming on. And uh, with that, this will be Jay Basher with our co-host, the one and only Gerald Cook. We'll be signing off for now. You have been listening to the Basser Hour. The Basser Hour is brought to you by Hadit.com. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. <laughs>